This man wanted to do R&B Coachella for the gram. See what happened. See your life. There's many lessons for us to learn here today. One, you should probably be a little bit more humble, Teddy Riley. Not because you haven't done anything magical. You're a legend. Yes. But the way he just showed up, just showboating, and then Babyface just slid in and was like, how you doing? I'm here. You know, um, having done perfect music for four decades. I'm just going to come in social distance, okay, because I just got over the Rona. Meanwhile, Teddy and his ragtag crew of ragamuffins, Joss, talking to each other's ears, ain't no mask in sight. Where's the social distancing? That's the first part. We should have told. We should have known Teddy wasn't on nothing good tonight because he wasn't even social distancing. The most basic thing. This man was only supposed to show up with he himself in front of a phone and music. And instead, we get that shenanigans. The good thing is, the jokes that have come out of it, comedy gold. Gold. If doing too much was a person, that's Teddy Riley. quite interesting day um yeah yeah it's been a quite interesting day but overall i'm great okay. uh you know it's been a positive day how's everything on your side um good good home as usual cooked regular regular hey cooking for somebody's daughter yeah my mother's daughter hey. <laughs> <laughs> if that counts sure Word. Welcome everyone to episode fifty-seven of Noah How the Podcast. This is your boy today. I'm here with my awesome co-host, Super Lord Bowo. Um and uh Musa may also make an appearance later. Shout out to Musa, you know what I'm saying? Musa's making it out. Making Musa's it out outside. Musa's oh, Musa's wow. the only person in the crew we actually have to might we might have to beat up because he's not following the social distancing order. But it's fine. Everybody's cool. Um Yeah, it's been an interesting past week, man. Film. <laughs> you got, you know, happened. Oh my goodness! People, there's beef. There's vegans. There's all everything happening, bro. Everything. Like people at home, just, just. I don't even know how to put it. Like just energy is bouncing off monitors and screens and all that. It's very think, aggressive energy. I think people are losing it, man. It's yeah. crazy. You see, yeah. um, you see Georgia. The, no, I didn't. People happen. The governor. Oh yeah, yeah governor Kemp. Yeah, is wilding. Yeah, I read somewhere. Some people were saying like the state is gonna run out of money if they don't, you know, let people go out to work and ish like that. But it's just wild because we see these states that I guess are scared of their base and like raising taxes or coming up with ways to get money for the state or city, and they just are like, you know, just let the people out. It's 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 scary because we all know that when decisions like these are made, 
um, you know the population that's affected the most negatively from exactly. these things. Exactly. Um, yeah, and a lot of the COVID cases, COVID-19 cases that are uh, happening in Georgia, a lot of them are concentrated in the Atlanta area. So mm-hmm. imagine being a restaurant owner in Atlanta and um, your, go- your governor is saying, oh, yeah, your restaurants are allowed to reopen, you know, end of April, right? <sighs> That's such a... And if you decide so not scary. to open your restaurant, if you decide not to open your restaurant, you can't even apply for any benefits or any assistance because the government's going to respond with, good. yeah, the government's going to respond with, well, you could have just opened up your restaurant. Mm-hmm. No, it's insane because we, we know the CEOs and, you know, the director, the board of directors and all that are not going to be in these workspaces. Like they're going to yeah. say, yes, open up, but we know that because um, I, I forgot where it was. There was an article I had read and it spoke about the movements of those you know, the wealthy, they're actually okay being in their big mansions and, you know, having fun in their yards. And while those who aren't as rich are actually still moving around often, you know, obviously grocery shopping and, you know, in small doses, cause that's what they can afford or still going to work, you know, or still finding ways to make money here or there while the wealthy are okay being stationary because their, their money, you know, makes itself. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to get ugly. Obviously, there are people, you know, f- trying to force their governors. And I think Pennsylvania being one of the states trying yeah. to force their governor's hands and um, opening back, opening things back up. So it's 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 interesting. It's interesting how this is going to end, because you have people pulling up with guns to their city halls and um, questioning authority, basically. And we know what race they are. If I tell you people are pulling up with guns in the city, we know what they are. So it's it's crazy how how things are settling in in America, you know. And then we have, um, did you you heard about our continent? Uh, what about our continent? A specific a specific mayor in a specific country. <laughs> you mean the governor? <laughs> a governor. I saw. <laughs> well, it's the governor things, bro. It's the governor things. Um, governor I things. apologize, so. I'll let you set it off because, you know, you know who's going to press us <laughs> if I say too much. Uh, all I'm going to say is shout out to all our Kenyan listeners. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> shout out to our Nairobians. Big up uh, the Nairobians. Big ups to the Nairobians. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so apparently in uh, Nairobi, <laughs> <laughs> apparently in Nairobi, there's a certain governor uh, named Mike Sonko. Big, who, uh, can I? Can we get like big, 17 bombs for Sonko? Shout out to Mike Sonko. Big man Sonko. Uh, so Nairobi Governor Mike Sonko came under fire uh, last week for putting Hennessy bottles in coronavirus care packages. Mm. And he called them throat sanitizer. Mm. That's what he was marketing marketing it as. So basically, they're saying that um, uh, he confirmed in a media briefing last Tuesday that his care packages included a few small bottles of the cognac mm. <laughs> Hennessy. The governor justified the inclusion of alcohol as throat sanitizer, mm. and 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 quote, I think from the research conducted by the World Health Organization and various organizations, it has been believed that alcohol plays a major role in killing the coronavirus. He said, we will have small, some small bottles of Hennessy in the food packs that we will give, be giving to our people. Even though, 
the World Health Organization warns that drinking alcohol does not protect you against COVID-19. And, in fact, it can be dangerous. Um, the World Health Organization advised people to minimize alcohol consumption. Um, <laughs> they said that alcohol can weaken the health of, of an individual and make them more vulnerable to viruses, including coronavirus. Uh and then one of the rep representatives at AMREF, which is a health a nonprofit in, or an NGO in Africa, um, posted on Twitter right after that, condemning that Nairobi governor, right. saying that, uh, you know, just trying to basically appeal to Kenyans to dump the alcohol and not drink it. Um, we also learned that this isn't the first time that the Nairobi governor has been met with public scrutiny. Uh, he was arrested late last year on corruption charges oh, and forced to surrender some of his duties to the national government. Of course. Uh, Hennessy also clapped back <laughs> and said that the claims by the Nairobi governor uh, that its drink in particular and alcohol in general cannot. Uh, there's no proof that it can ward off the coronavirus. Uh, they, quote, they said, quote, Hennessy would like to stress that the consumption of our brand or any other alcoholic beverage does not protect against the virus. <laughs> In a statement to Nairobi News. Um, also, this dude apparently is a rapper. Like, yes, what Mike is going Sonko on? Who's this guy? Why, are, Sonko, we, why uh, are we learning about... Wait, you don't know about Mike Sonko's bars? Dog, has, I didn't know that videos he, was, on, he thinks he's papoose, yeah, dog. He, he has music videos on YouTube. The videos of his crib. Um, he has a song with Lucky Boy. Nah, we uh, gotta we gotta call Ivy and get uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenya perspective. They got some poison Ivy. Um, she we, has. We need expertise. She has um she has a parallel I think dropping called um I'm rooting for everybody Kenyan. So um we don't find out if she's rooting for Mike Sonko. Obviously, we love our we love our our lady entrepreneurs. Yes, yes. Getting getting their bag. Oh, of course, we, we're definitely gonna be copping. Absolutely. Um, so um, we need Ivy Tweet back on that. But Mike Sonko is a, you know, there's always there's always a couple, <laughs> a couple people that you're like, how did they get that elect, elected seat? And it's like, it must have started as a joke, and then you know said the right things, won a couple of debates, and boom, we have a rapper that thinks. Um, obviously, we're not just gonna go the route of victory game. You know, people safe and people secure. We're just gonna throw Henny in there and make them feel better. You know, <laughs> the the. I mean, let's let's not just only focus on how wild the governors on the east part, the eastern part of Africa are, but we also spread have love, our own. Spread uh, love, spread uh, love to... <laughs> you know, let's spread love back to the the West Africa governor. Is it Governor Wike? Yes. Governor Wike went on AIT um, a few days ago. AIT is a. Uh, television network it, based in Nigeria, uh, akin to the NBC or ABC uh, for those in the States. Um, and basically people just descended on him and abused him because, um, uh, wait, is he the Rivers state governor? Uh, let me confirm that because I remember watching the video. I didn't confirm the state. Basically, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, he basically just defied the the national orders uh, yes. and just lashed it's out, lashed out during the interview. Is River yeah. State is he still the governor there, or uh, is he the former governor? Is Mike 
There are certain things that you expect for elected officials to say on public platforms. Governor Wike did none of them. Uh, he actually did the opposite, which is quite uh, interesting. He's arrested essential workers um, that are that have to do their mm-hmm. jobs with everything going on. Um, he's arrested people that were permitted to fly, yes. um, and that's beyond his power. Um, he's not supposed to be able to do when, that. Um, when they elected him, there was a tribunal against his election. So it's been litty. Super wild. He doesn't own the airspace in River State, but he's like he's like asking him to seize planes that oh it's crazy dog yeah it's like it's it's one of those why not things from a lot of these elected officials like you see people get voted in or obviously people buy an election and it just well it's it's not in you and outside of the world so but it when when we get times like this where we have to lean on our on leadership we get to see who exactly is in these seats um obviously mm. we're in america so we <laughs> we can't point fingers. We out here living living the dream with everybody else. With these le- our leaders going on, so um, I'm not shocked by what's going on in in Nairobi. I'm not shocked by what's going on in River State, and even what's going on in America. Because we get these leaders that won whichever way they won, and um, obviously they they got in office to do one thing. Maybe it's a fill their pockets, put the people on, hold it down for the plug, you know, whatever it is. And now when things mm-hmm. go left and they actually have to work, we see exactly why they shouldn't be where they are, you know. And I was telling a friend, I think um, last week or two weeks ago, and I was like, a lot of the people Trump put in office are, you know, business associates or just looking out for a friend or a family member. And now they actually have to get work done. So I'm sure they're all very stressed. Like this is just supposed mm. to be contracts and fattening our pockets, and now we actually have to get work done because it's a whole pandemic, you know. So outside of getting insider information on stocks, I'm I'm sure they're stressed. Shout outs to all of the stress. <laughs> um, yeah, it's nasty, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, even like just looking at the the news that's coming out of. Nigeria, especially right now, it's sad, man. It's just a lot of uncertainty happening. The 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 value of oil, which the Nigerian government has been dependent oh, on, oh, it's going to be a mess. Ever it's be a mess. for the the value of oil hit a negative today, didn't it? Uh, yesterday, yesterday it, it, it's it's done for. And then I was talking to a few people who are well versed on that subject, and they were telling me how even though it's whatever it is right now, all is still going to be produced. Crude oil is still going to be produced because you just, you know, you don't stop it. You continue, you know, um, creating crude oil. Even So now when things settle in, there's still going to be a surplus of oil, which is still going to affect the price. So the person was telling mm. me, it things aren't going to be for a long, long time because you keep creating, you keep creating. Even when people have money, you know, they could only buy so much. So there's going to be a surplus. And he was saying Libya has been out of the oil market for a while, but they've been setting themselves up for a comeback. But unfortunately, you know, there's no market for oil right now. So it's going to be a whole bunch of people with oil and with nothing 
to do with it because obviously crude oil still has to be um, made into whichever form of oil is needed for, um, you know, whatever transportation, heat, whatever it is. So there's just going to be a surplus of crude oil in all these countries that actually depend on it. And obviously nobody's buying and those who are buying are buying it for nothing basically mm. and if you choose to store it then you're paying to store it because you can't just put crude oil anywhere i know you know some people back home you know are going to do whatever they want but you're not supposed to put crude oil anywhere so now you're paying to store these um barrels of oil so you're losing out on money as you're paying to store them and probably more expensive to store them than to sell them for nothing mm. so it's going to be a mess for he said about two three years because contracts are already in place. So it's not just like, I'm going to buy your crude oil today, whenever you Like, you make a con, you have a contract to produce X amount of crude oil barrels for maybe a year, two years. Their contract expires, and then you go from there. But even while the contract expires, if your job is to make crude oil, you're still going to make it because when the time comes, you have to have. So, unless the countries like find a way to store it and then keep it from the world so now it's, there's not a, scar- a scarcity and then the price goes up and you start selling so it's going to be a mess it's going to be a mess and I'm sure there are going to be some insider things where people have to go f- the fraudulent way to help raise the price of um, oil so it's um, everyone's trying to jump on jump on those stocks and invest in it so if you're doing that it's it's going to be for the long run obviously Nigeria depends on crude oil as as a country that makes a whole bunch of it so our economy if should even should dip even more. So, uh, Bro, it's a the oil price ap- apocalypse will bankrupt Nigeria, <laughs> Africa's richest nation. With oil prices falling below zero dollars per barrel, it's only a matter of time before Nigeria's debt-ridden government goes bankrupt. Nigeria is slipping towards an economic collapse that could include a devalued currency and soaring inflation as oil prices. Yeah, I'm go sure bankrupt. a lot of people are buying into um, the currencies now. They're trying yeah. if they can. Um, oil prices have fallen to all-time lows with some benchmark futures trading for less than zero. Nigeria's Bonnie light hasn't fallen to negative territory yet, but the country is still generating massive losses on every barrel of oil yeah. it produces. After decades of mismanagement with government policies, which we are <laughs> very uh, aware of, Nigeria is on the road to a Venezuela-like <laughs> collapse. Nigeria may have one of the unfortunately the misman- most mismanaged governments in the world uh, even in the best times the country was in pretty poor shape but now with oil prices falling to all-time lows um, nigeria is about to look like venezuela or zimbabwe yeah. with total um, economic collapse the government depends on oil for 60 percent of its revenue and 90 percent of its foreign exchange uh it's uh add this to a rising debt load bad economic policies and political instability and you have a recipe recipe for disaster um, there are many proposed explanations for Nigeria's situation. Some blame corruption, uh, some blame colonialism, uh, but the real problem has been just disastrous government policy. Um, Nigeria allowed its central government to exert outsized control over its economy, which has led to inefficiency and stagnation. Um, and until recently, Nigeria's federal government was responsible for practically every oil refinery uh, um, uh, what's called every oil refinery pro, uh, program through its state-owned national Nigerian National Petroleum Corporation, which we know as NNPC. Uh, but because the refineries were poorly managed, they fell into disrepair, and the government relied on imports to meet its population Inside. demand for petroleum. 
Um, Nigeria produces crude oil, which it sells to the United States, China, and the EU, only to re-import gasoline at a higher price, subsidize that gas, and sell it to consumers at a massive loss. And they've been doing this for decades. Uh, Nigeria spent four times as much money subsidizing fuel as it spent building schools, health centers, and science labs in 2019. This has led to mass immigration and widespread poverty in the country. Now, with oil prices at unprecedented lows, the country's about to witness catastrophe. Um, according to the Fitch Rating Agency, Nigeria's break-even oil price is $133, the highest in the world. This is because of the inflated government budget that includes, among other things, Nigerian senator salaries in the range of about 40 grand a month in U.S. dollars. The country's cost of producing oil is 15 to $17 a barrel. Um, but with prices falling near or below zero, this won't be enough to avert a sovereign debt crisis. Um, yikes, man. The total, the con- Nigeria's total debt stands at an estimated 84 billion U.S. dollars. Drunk on cheap debt from China, domestic lenders, and high-interest rate euro bonds, Nigeria is on the cusp of a massive sovereign debt crisis. Up to 80% of its bilateral debt is owed to China. Yikes. Uh, China is reluctant to forgive these debts, especially because it's attempting to revive its own struggling economy. And it actually is doing that right now, given that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, And China is probably more than likely never going to write these loans off. Um, But because our the Nigerian president is, hmm. is a genius, President President Buhari decided to pile on even more debt recently after approving an additional twenty three billion U.S. dollars in a loan request from various international lenders. Um, uh, the country's finance minister said that the new budget, the twenty twenty Nigerian budget of four point nine billion U.S. dollars. Uh, assumes crude oil production of 2.1 million barrels a day at an average price of 30,000 barrel, which means that we are taking a loss of 15 to 13, 15 to $17 in loss every day. Uh, with all prices falling below zero, this new budget won't slide Nigeria's, Nigeria towards insolvency. Uh, Nigerian senators will still enjoy their about 40,000 US dollar salary under the new budget cuts because Nigeria is backwards. Ah, that's fun, man. I love it. Um, yeah, I, I think <laughs> like the numbers are the numbers. Obviously we love our country and want what's best for our country. But um, I'd, I'd advise people to research Venezuela, especially to see how that went. Cause it, well, not went, still going, because it's, it's, it's a mess in that country. Um, Do you know the, um, he's a, he's a VC investor. Uh, he's a Nigerian VC investor, uh, very popular, Victor Ashmore. I've heard the name, don't know too much about him. Boom. So he's a legend. He's very much an uncle, uh, an uncle to a lot of, a lot of um, us that are diasporans okay. that are into tech. He's someone that has been in various industries and advised on you know, with many companies, you know, that are tech related, but he posted earlier today, he was talking about this topic and 
he said a lot of things that really stuck out to me. So he said, um, this is what he said earlier. He said, as far back as 1993, Nigerian economists knew a monoproduct economy based on oil was a bad idea. The problem was that we had a military regime then, right. pretty much a dictatorship, without any economic policy finesse or clue about what to do. And this is a fact. Fast forward to 1999, we were introduced to a democracy, but the wrong kind, the very costly kind. A costly democracy required the same suspension of belief or difficulty in making hard decisions as both the federal structure and multiple levels of governance brought massive complexity in decision-making. Deficits became the norm, and we just kept borrowing locally to fund it. Uh, local borrowing to fund that type of deficit had the effect of starving all other sectors of development in Nigeria and left us dependent on oil as the main source of government revenue. There can't be a vibrant tax base if other sectors can't grow. Where it managed to grow, taxation was def difficult. Because the government failed in providing basic things like security, other arrangements had to step up. It makes more sense for the bus driver to pay taxes to the Agbiro, who's mm -hmm. a street person uh, or a thug, for those who don't uh, speak pidgin or whatever, for government protection than to pay the government directly without any guarantees and still be extorted by police on your everyday travels. A monopoly on violence and protection of its populace is the first task of any government, any well-working government anyway. This is why the president is referred to as the commander-in-chief of all the armed forces. Once that fails, it then becomes hard to tax people who are now protected by others with violence. The first mistake happened with the Navy. We lost our creeks and coastal areas to militant activity once democracy started. I keep asking why this activity suddenly spiked initially with democracy, but was contained by OBJ, who we all know. <laughs> uh, for those who aren't aware who OBJ is, he's uh, Obasanjo, uh, the former uh, military president and then democratic president of Nigeria. Uh, said the, the the I keep asking why this activity suddenly spiked initially with democracy, but it was contained by OBJ, then spiked again suddenly as soon as he left power. That there is a link between political activity and insecurity is not in doubt. It seems to be what politicians at first use against each other that then becomes metastatic. There is also no doubt that it drains government resources and prevents vibrant economic activity. We are now in this death spiral with a race to go subterranean. The oil price drop brings some stark new realities. Underfunded regions will agitate to have their own security arrangements to restore economic activity, and the central government has little choice but to acquiesce. It's still costing us to this date. It's, it's nasty, man. We need a complete overhaul of the Nigerian system because, dog, it, all it does is bring corruption, breed... Uh, issues and gives international interests and neo-colonizers like China uh, the opportunity to have leverage against us. Because even like now, right? It's like, we know that Nigeria is in wild debt right now. And we're in debt to governments like China who are like, who when they loan the money out initially, they put in the stipulations that um, what's it called? It's called trap yeah. dipl diplomacy, right? They'll give huge loans That's to cool. greedy and corrupt leaders who in turn are coerced to, you know, give up like right, right. state assets, like our ports or our airports or, you know, the, just like state lands as collateral, right? And then the countries 
can't pay up, so they default in their payments, and then those assets belong, but that belong to the people are now auctioned to the Chinese government. Yeah, because they get to uh, make their money up and, front, I mean, and the country deals with the loss. So, yeah. Dog. It's, it's the same thing that the British and the French and the Portuguese, and you name it, the Europeans did it, and, the, and America too. Let's not leave America out. Uh, the Western world did this to at various African countries for hundreds of years. And we just called it business, or that's just the way things were done back then. Now, neocolonialism is rearing its head where, you know, other countries are now just taking the the European playbook and flipping it and modernizing it to apply today. And everybody's turning a blind eye to it like nothing is happening. As long as our leaders continue to keep taking bribes, sing and dance and shuck and jive and hoist visiting, you know, diplomats when they when they make their occasional visits only for them to make patronizing speeches um, and offer us crappy loans with wild terms that put us more in, in, in bondage in the name of democracy and freedom. That shit is trash. Um, I hate it. I, hate I tell all people it. all the time, and we're um, never really going to get, you know, a Nigerian president for a little while. Because half those people, you know, existed before the country did. A lot of these people are, are strong with their tribe or their cultural group. You know, they look out for themselves and their cultural group mm. and they don't really care if the country falls by the wayside. So um, you see these people making moves that are just selfish and just very, very, they're just good for their circle because they get in there, they put their people on, they put their team on and, you know, they try to repeat it. If not, the next person wins, the next person looks out for their cultural group and then it goes all over again. And we were just start fighting because most of the people you, yeah. most of the people yeah, you hear fighting for Nigerian people are age. This is true. I think that, what video did I see today that um, that was talking about that? It's like Nigeria lacks the awareness of social analysis. And I think it's a, it's a result of just generations of just being um, miseducated or deprioritized as, as, as the gaps in classes have increased over the past few decades. Things like education and public health and social welfare have kind of just fallen by the wayside. So people are suffering, but... They just kind of, of accept course, it yeah, as just yeah. the way things are, right? And it's existed since the colonial mm-hmm. times, right? Mm-hmm. Fellas sang on it. Every artist that we know that we revere as a legend has has addressed these issues, right? Um, I, t- I I was having a conversation with uh, one of our uh, uh, friends, Mayola. Um, he's an artist manager based in in Lagos, and he said um, he basically posed the question. He's like, "If we, yeah, Swego, yeah, shout to Swego," you know what I'm saying? He said, "If we can't store our oil and we can't sell it." What's gonna happen to it? He said, Omon, I give away shall pass also. Um, and I responded and said, The colonial led experiment, formerly known as Nigeria, is unraveling right before us. Because we him and I had a conversation last year about everything that's happening now. We like kind of saw what was gonna happen because our leaders were not being forward thinking. They were just missing opportunities to really kind of change the narrative and push us into a, a more productive and positive space. Um and we, I remind him, I was like, remember our convo last year about what would happen if Nigeria doesn't fix the essentials soon? Uh, Nigeria surely didn't disappoint us. And then he responded and said, man, I can't believe it happened this fast. Like, literally, we had this conversation last year. He said, this is on all sides. It's time. Anarchy versus revolution. There's no way around it. And I said, if we don't learn from our decades-long mistakes and revert back to the Western, Eastern, Northern regional system after this is over, without U.S., European, or Chinese oversight... All of this was in vain. 
my OI responds with, we are in very deep. It's going to take a very intentional and hugely unpopular effort. I try to remain positive, but I'm getting DR, Congo, and South Sudan vibes, my guy. (laughs) And I responded and said, I always wondered how nation states like Cuba, Somalia, DR, Congo, South Sudan, Eritrea, etc. came to be. Nigeria was an example that we all live to witness for ourselves. My prayer is that we emerge somewhat similar to Rwanda did. Uh, nobody saw their comeback before it happened, and that's just me trying to be optimistic. Uh, my OI response, I think we have the tools to be Rwanda eventually, but we're going to pass through the real fire here first. I hope that we can come out of it, but I hate to say that. I hate to say what I've been saying under my breath for years, um, but the president of Rwanda doesn't have an eight-year term. This is also very true. Uh, it's wild, man. <sighs> Obviously, you know, these conversations are all going on and we're, we're all worrisome about what's to come, especially if you, you know, you read, you read up on your history about, you know, most of the African countries, most of the South American countries and how their leaders have just, you know, looked out for themselves and just made the country quite dependent on outside forces, quite dependent on help from because we were that country that gave help we were that country that sent money that invested in other in other country they even helped out i think helped out south africa in different situations sent money there sent people to help and um help i think during the times of mandela so we but we see what bad leadership can do to a country how old are we now we're, we're in our 60s I, we're 50 something no we're 60 this year right 1960, yeah, we turned 60 this year. Yeah. Yeah, so we've yeah, gone through military rule, we've gone through democratic rule, quote-unquote, and we've had people by elections. We've questioned, you know, our elections. So I, I'm i not sure if what exactly we have to run towards. I'm not sure if it's better to just, like, have the whole thing blow up and then get better. Obviously, we are both speaking on Nigeria while having the luxury of being outside Nigeria, you know? So, mm. and, ooh, there's a whole. Yeah, I, I always keep that in mind. Whenever we share our opinion, we always keep in mind that we are um, operating as, you know, we're connected, we're but we're still on the outside. Right? Are so going it's, it's about being it's sensitive. Yeah, so this yeah, is about being like we get to speak on this with. Yes, we we're emotionally attached, but we get to speak on this while stepping back and looking at a bigger picture, so to speak. You know, so yeah. it's a little. It might seem yeah. insensitive, but it's just really how we see it. And trust me, we both hope we're wrong. We hope. Thanks. For sure. I mean, the, the unfortunate truth is that, you know, we kind of invited this chaos to happen since Nigeria as, as a country was formed, right? We allowed colonizers to come in and colonize the entire continent. And they took separate nation states uh, Yoruba land, Biafra, the north, um, they grouped them together knowing that these nation states would be more productive and more successful and more harmonious as independent states working together independently. Um, and because of that, it ensured a lot of nonsense and it allowed people to point fingers at each other when the real players, the real controllers of the chess pieces on the mm-hmm. board were hiding in the shadows, right? Right. Um, you know, they a lot of people, you know, I, I said, I've, I've said on 
the timeline before is like we kill ourselves while they're busy stealing our resources and they don't care how many people die um but i agree man i hope that we can figure it out i mean as it stands i think that nigeria is past its expiration date i think that there needs to be uh i need i think there needs to be a certain reverting back to the system that existed before um before nigeria was incorporated as as one country i think that there needs to be a northern a western and eastern region and they need to operate independently but work together in order to share resources and build the best parts of those areas together so, uh, that's uh, the uh, only united way region, it, cause, because the united region it beats, of nigeria it beats, it beats, it be, uh, united region yeah, the or united nations? nations of nigeria uh united regions would be interesting because then it sounds like they sound like I mean, again, we need city states, bro. Like, it's impossible to take a group of pe- groups of people that are so different from one another um, that have no. They don't have. There's patriotism in Nigeria is a farce because the patriotism, quote unquote, that people think exists there, based on American patriotism or nationalism in other yeah, countries, I, doesn't I, exist in Nigeria. Like, Nigerians aren't patriots. Our parents weren't patriots. Our grandparents weren't patriots. Like, patriotism is not a real thing in that place. There is ethnocentrism, for sure. Like, we, if you're Yoruba, you are Yoruba no matter what country you're in. If you're Igbo, you're Igbo no matter what country you're in. If you're Shakiri, you're Shakiri no matter what country you're in. And that's been consistent before colonialism, during colonialism, and post-colonialism, as we are now. exists more within the diaspora than within the country. Um, I remember... I think sure, but why is it like if you're in a country dealing with what you're dealing with, bad leadership, lack of security, a lack of a central government, a lack, you know, a lack of just feeling this. What what is that to be proud about while in the country? I remember someone that tweeted, you know, who lives in Nigeria by if they have a Nigerian flag by their name, you know, like they're Americans in America that have Nigeria, they have American flags on their name, you know, um. Yeah, they're exactly. just proud to identify with exactly. something that's connected to them culturally. But when you're actually experiencing the oppression and the the shit that you have to sacrifice as a human being it's just to survive to, and put food on the it. table every it's day. It's hard in, to in just be like, I'm a, very, like I'm a proud Nigerian, you know. Obviously, when you step out of a situation and yeah. you're one of a few, you want to rep what you are. Like, obviously, we're not, you know, we're not in Nigeria. So when you see another Nigerian, it's like, oh, cool. You know, you're from that country that I'm from while in a different place it's just what it is like if we're if we're you know mm. we're in a different state and we're both new yorkers let's say somewhere in oregon or something we're gonna be like okay i'm a new yorker you're a new yorker or if you see somebody with a yankee fitted like okay so that of course exists but in new york there are people who are proud to be new york but in nigeria not saying they aren't it's just not common you know and the reason being what it is people have mm. to deal with it's just like people okay you that's a perfect point and it, it's it's comparable to how like people that you know their parents or their grandparents are from the south and so oh yeah i'm repping the south i'm da, 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 da. i'm repping the south but if you talk to their grandparents you know what i'm saying that may have moved from the south to new england or from the south to california or from the south to chicago or whatever like that migration that that big wave of black migration mm-hmm. in the 40s 50s 60s whatever um you know, in spite of things like the Tulsa massacres and Black Wall Street and all these things, and um, uh, what am I, Rosewood in Florida, like all these different, uh, the Civil Rights Movement, all these things that affected the South, 
right? There's a lot of people that hold these negative, um, they have all these negative experiences living and growing up in, in the Jim Crow South that when their grandkids and great grandkids like, oh, you're from the South, I'm from the South, but they've never lived in the South, right? Their, 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 their ancestors may have um, been born, raised, whatever in the South. But it's the same way where their grandparents or parents, you know, would look at them like, you're only saying that because you never grew up there. You've probably only visited there, you know, on certain family occasions. So there's no way you could understand the type of emotional baggage and trauma that comes with uh, saying I'm from the South as a black person. Um, but that's 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 the comparison, man. It's like us that can go to Nigeria at any time and, and get our experience and get our fill. And then once we feel like, okay, we've had our fill, then we go back to Europe or we go back to the U.S. or we go back to Canada or we go back to Australia, wherever it is, mm-hmm. but, and, and, and live our lives, right? It's, I think about shit like that all the time. And there's really not much we can do at, at the moment, especially with everything going on with the pandemic. But it's definitely something to think about, especially for those that are listening. If you're in the diaspora and you're really big on shouting, oh, I'm... You know, I'm Nigerian, I'm Senegalese, I'm Liberian, I'm Ghanaian, I'm South African, I'm whatnot. But you haven't really made an effort to really kind of improve the conditions in in your mother country, your father country. Um, you haven't really done your part to try to understand the culture and get to know people that can actually make the living conditions and stuff better over there. Or just kind of be a positive force as much as you can. I'm not saying you just need to go and, you know, roll up to the fucking, the asshole rock and, 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 you know, try to take meetings with the president. I'll, I'll but go like, there's one further to, to it, like, your, you know, your local communities. Like what you're saying, if you are, you know, you're descent or you claim the country and if you're not helping out in one way, you're also part of the problem. And the reason I'll say this, because it might come off wild. So if you have the ability to help, if you have a chance to help and you choose not to, but you rep the country and you, you know, oh, you're the Nigerian guy or you don't like if you're taking advantage of what comes with being Nigerian and you're not helping Nigeria, then you get what I'm saying? You're part of the problem. Mm. Obviously, we're not comparing you to 100 percent the person that's taking money from Nigeria or, you know, treating the citizens like. Like less, you know, like just not like I don't want to say I'm comparing you to the leaders in Nigeria, but. We have to all do our part for our country. There are many ways to do it. There are organizations that go back. There are people who take books to these schools in the rural parts of the... I don't want to say rural, like even worse than, you know, places with no roads, places with no light. You know, they're helping out certain parts of the country. So we can do... And they... Like, how do I put this now? Like, in every single facet, Nigeria needs help. Like, it is what it is. So it doesn't have to be it doesn't mm. have to be money. Like you can find a way to use whatever your interest is in helping out Nigerians. Because Nigerians make money in every single lane you could think of. And if you if you have a skill, if you have an interest in which you're good at, you can teach somebody something that could help them make money. Cause I you know me, like most of my design for my apparel are made in Nigeria. Like, not even most. All my design are made in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Like, I have them designed in Nigeria. I work with Nigerian artists. I work with Nigerian graphic designers because I'd rather put that money into the economy in one way. You know, try to help out whichever way I can. And obviously, we're in entertainment. We try to help musicians. We try to hook up 
you know, hook people up here and there and see what we can do to help put money in people's pocket or just, and there's a reason we have this podcast. Try to, you know, get information out there. Um, For sure. Just like when you did the LOS podcast episode, you know, you have people who are, you know, hustling and trying Absolutely. to get their brand out there and you shed a light on it. So we, you know, there are many ways to help out. For so sure. trust me, I'm not saying send money there. I'm not saying show up there and do NYSC. If you want to do all that, more power to you. But there are ways to help out that completely, that doesn't change what your, your day is about. You know, mm. if there's something you're good at, you can involve somebody mm. back home or invest in somebody back home to help you out. Yes, you're taking a leap of faith. Yes, you're taking a risk, but you do that here as well, you know. So we all have to do our part. And this, whatever you do, it's not stopping what's happening in Nigeria from happening, but you can change your life, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, great, great, great uh, okay. segue. Um, thank you, Bawa, for that. So at this point, we are going to take a break and let our sponsors do what it do. Uh, thank, thank you all for, uh, for uh, you know, for listening thus far this has been a very heavy episode mm-hmm. because it's just sad to see what's happening um back home but you know we'll try to just navigate the conversation moving forward all right so now a word from our sponsors all right y'all uh welcome back to know how the podcast uh yeah, yeah man so i guess we're gonna we're gonna transact had to give me a had to give me a beverage do you um what are we what are we talking about now? What's what's next um, the, what's next in the itinerary? About, nah, I don't want to touch that Um so what's it called? Ninja Twitter had a fun week. Oh yikes. Right. I already know exactly um, what you're first talking of about. All, shout out to Brimo. Brimo dropped a big album called The Yellow Album. <laughs> Yes. Yes, he did. Shout out to the yellow. yellow Someone else dropped the yellow album, right? Coldplay. Am I bugging? Uh, I feel like Coldplay had a color album too. It was Coldplay, right? Yeah, it was. There was Coldplay. They had black, and I think the Beatles Uh, had a color as well. I'm not sure. Coldplay's album Yellow dropped in 2000, bro. Right, that was, it was their all album as well. Um, and I think I think the Beatles got a color. Mm-hmm. It might be black as well. <laughs> is it uh, the is the black album the gray mm-hmm. album the white the white album? They got a color, right? I'm it it was definitely it was buddy. definitely one of those colors. Yeah, know. they definitely but, have a color. Anyway, he chose yellow. And he held it down just just to just to put it like that, right? I think we could agree on that because I don't know if you've gotten a chance to listen to the album. It's really, yeah. I've been um when I, I passing through my groceries, uh, I, you know, driving around, I got to play it. Really great writer, great performer, thinks outside the box. Beautiful album, and um, so. Brado's Brado's yes. one of my yes. favorite artists from. Africa, period. He's an amazing vocalist. He's incredibly talented. Um, there's definitely some personal things I'm sh- I, I believe that he has had to uh, go through as an artist, but 
Um, I don't think it takes away from the fact that he's one of the most talented no, artists to ever. Talented. He had to endure a lot. Come out of that he place. had to deal with um, Chocolate City Music, and we all heard of him. Um, I think the first is mm. Only Cool, and then Good Morning, which which are heavy jams. Heavy jams. <laughs> and then he dropped I'm singing this for you. Yeah. Oh yeah, so definitely he's been shaking up, shaking up the clubs since we were. And everything he's been dro- dropping so far, like the sound of tough is so unique. So it's like, I don't know. I love, I love that when an artist just gives us something that you, you know, you can just tell it's them, and you don't, it doesn't remind you of anything, and it's just there. So, but when he hops on Twitter, bro, mm. like, cause his, I, there is, there has to be some kind of. There's something going on where he feels the need to prove himself because he tweet like he tweets like he's not getting the attention he'd like. He talks about how he's making more money than other artists, mm. how nobody's really touching him. He writes a song, just like that. You know, obviously he's not the biggest artist in Nigeria. His genre is not like or his music is just not gra- grabbing enough attention. And He's not okay with that. I know people tell you they're okay mm. with it, but you can tell he's not okay with that because he's always comparing and always wants his place in history certified while he's alive. Yes, I'm always happy when an artist gets their roses, but it just feels like there's something he's looking for that he hasn't gotten. And obviously, you know, you read between the lines, you see it. But What do you think? What do you think it's going to take for someone like now? This is my question. While we still have him, how many flowers does makes an artist satisfied? Because there's giving an artist flowers, right? Do you think he's? Do you think he's been given his flowers? Because all like they're they're Brimo fans, you know. Their fans are like this. This guy is the shit. This guy, it's like Asha, right? Asha, like Asha has. Music, yeah, music sure, fans yeah. that put on this pedestal. Not saying she doesn't deserve it. Like I'm just saying she they put on this pedestal. But mm. Asha is not the biggest artist in Nigeria. You know, but there are people who feel mm. like her talent is unparalleled. Like you you're not nobody you like in Nigeria is close to what Asha does. When you think about artists like that, uh why do you think an artist like Two Face and artists like P Square and artists like uh, um, Banky and so forth. Like, why do you think that they are publicly uh, renowned for the work that they've done in the past oh. decade, but you don't see the same thing for someone like Brimo with R&B? Two-Face, P-Square. Mm-hmm. P-Square, yeah. P-Square was in a boat with um, Rick Ross <laughs> trying to, trying to Ross. do what they got to do. You know? And, and obviously, Brimo no, did what he did like with Ice Prince. Him. Oleku is a jam. Um, and the music he's making now doesn't sound like Good Morning. Um, right. So at, at I think crossover hits up. And obviously, we know Banky. Banky has done hits with many artists. And his he was like Diddy at one point with, you know, being in videos and helping these people grow. Right, right. So I don't, I wouldn't yeah, compare no, thing for Brimo sure. to, and Brimo to these people, and then obviously Brimo stole. 
No, I'm talking. I'm talking about specifically mm-hmm. music influence. Like as far as R and B is no, concerned, they don't. There's no, not many no, people. No, I can think say it's a crossover. I think it's crossover. It's Primos. just you have to be mainstream in Nigeria. Like Nigeria is one of those places where the numbers and we're gonna segue in a bit to the YC and David O thing, but the numbers matter a lot to these people. And obviously, we're a country that likes to party, so the club hits are anthems. You know, there there are certain things where it's like. Okay, the struggle song that helps define us, but the club hits are anthems. Like the OG musicians, we know the reason we celebrate them still is they're in those parties, the birthday parties, the 50th parties, you know, whatever it is. Those those anthems that our parents dance to are still they're still classics to us. So the turn up music, the celebratory music, are mm. to always be respected and celebrated just by the artists. Even um the Ogungu, be careful. You know, uh, what hey, did I say? Gugu, why you just gave it a whole different name? Hey, Gugu. You say? I <laughs> 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 said, "Oh, Gugu." I said, "Who is Oh, wow. Gugu? What happened? Wow. Oh, you Gugu. just changed what language. Like that. What happened? I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit. Look, look. <laughs> I'm gonna, you talk, I'm gonna be like, I thought you were speaking. Uh, I thought you were speaking to me. Language <laughs> with a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Gugu. Hey, uh, how you say? Uh, <laughs> is, uh, the Google? Hey, Gugu. Hey, Gugu. Is it? Yeah, yeah hey, no, Gugu. But, um, I don't know don't, what to say. How you say, hey, Gugu? Turn up music, go further, <laughs> or just stick with us longer than, uh, you know, the substance, the substance song. So I think that right. is always yeah, going to affect Rymo. And I think he has a great path, and I think he's going to make timeless music. But when you when you're on Twitter fighting with people for or just you know grandstanding about where you should be in our hearts or in our minds or our attention, it just comes off. It just it's like yeah, it's just it's it's a battle. You're it not comes off a bit win. arrogant. Like you're not gonna. I don't know him to say do that. You think, do you think he's bitter? You know that's that's a strong thing to say about somebody you haven't like conversed yeah. with. I've met I've met him once, you know, when they when they performed here yeah. in America and we like yeah, we we're all in the club for for the New after York, party yeah. and all that. Shout out to Tunes. There's a whole story with Tunes and that. But uh, um Um I, I just it's just not you're doing you're giving us the um what's that movie where they were stirring the tea and men's fell into it? Yes, please, please. We're uh, triggering a lot of black out. men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, so, sorry, I didn't mean to trigger your ass. <laughs> Sink. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. This is we're full blown in currency mode. Man's just stirring yikes. his tea. I'm triggered. Took the elevator up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, had to had to get the tea bags. Pause. Uh, you know. I had, to, I had to get my, you know, had to get my, my, wow, that's, my, that's my, my uh, what it's called. Is it Oolong? No, no, that's, I respect, shout out to Oolong, I guess. That's, that's the name of the tea, bro. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be shouting out brands that ain't Oolong, the, the, the chai, you know what I'm saying? We out here. Okay. No. Did, I, did no, you no, see no, me shout out the I'm just giving you a reminder before you take you it see. anywhere and name, name a company. But, um, yeah, the Bible <laughs> thing, it's just like, it happens every so no, often no. where he just goes off on saying I make more money and I do this. And 
I should be here. You know, it's just like, bro, you're you're dead nasty with it. And obviously, what's yours is yours. And if you want a fan base, then you got to maybe go get in a room with some of these writers and they give you a pop song if it's not something you feel you can create. And if it is, you create it. You know, be the change you want. Yeah, I agree. To go into the back to I agree, the numbers man. conversation, did you see the YC David O thing? So I did uh, come across some of that. Um, I I didn't know what sparked it. I just remember seeing everybody sending yes, me. Yes, Dremo. Uh, Dr- Dr- is it Dremo? Dremo? So Dremo, they were sending me the tweet that involved Dremo, but I don't have a position, honestly. No, like, David O, I, I think, the, was given Dremo a box story, and so he's really one of the batters or the batters. And YC had told him, like, you know, like relax or yeah, it ain't that. And then David O said, "Look at the numbers." You know, and um, it just took me back to the Fifty Cent days. Mm. <laughs> Where Fifty would be like, "Hey, look at the numbers. Who's better?" You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the... Fam. So look that at was the numbers, that. And then obviously, like Ninja Twitter is not where you want to go catching out because they will run, run with it. But um, no. thankfully, Dremo and um, YC have a good relationship. Facts. So that wasn't going anywhere. But YC then said, my freestyle was better than yours to David O. Yeah. She wants me to marry Jesus. her freestyle. Um, I, think, I think that's Yikes. where it ended. So I think was, they all have seen? a relationship. I honestly haven't seen it. Um, and I feel like David O has been really chill recently with... um. Back and forth online because even when um people were finding out who wrote certain songs for him, he's been very chill about it. So I think David O. I don't know if it's a rebranding thing. I don't know if it's you know being a mm. nice family man, and um he's just chill. Um sh- oh and um we found out Chiama has beat her Corona, like cause she had the COVID, um she had uh, the virus as well. So yeah. Yes, yes, David O announced that. Shout so, out to Choma. You know, but David O was chill about it. I don't think it went anywhere further than that. We'll see. And even, um, yeah, even when Saz was saying that the song, mm. I remember when the whole Versus thing was going on, the Ninja um, with Sheezy? He played the David O song, and Saz said he wasn't really yeah. feeling it. It didn't really drag anywhere, you know. David O and Saza, you know, agreed to Twitter to like make a song together. So I feel like David O has been really chill. I don't know. I it's it's on Twitter anyway. It's coming off that way, which is really really cool. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. I mean, peaceful situations are always good, man. We like we need more people that are um, finding ways to resolve issues and not leave everything on the internet for the peanut gallery to. To dissect, yeah, and, you know, we know they're not going to, but it's always wishful thinking. Thinking. <laughs> well, the last you know one. Saying? What else? What else haven't we talked about? So uh, Ninja Twitter. It's our OG. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, Chocolate City stuff. Yeah. This was MIA Saws. So I saw that, and um, yeah, man. I mean. Okay, so um, the backstory. So, Do you want well, to give I the backstory? The I played last week. I feel about it. Oh, oh no! Say that again. 
I'm sipping my tea. No pun intended. Like a bad beat. I'm sipping my tea. No pun intended. I'm actually sipping tea. Stop, stop, stop with the sound effects. I feel like you hear the and tea? Your, your mic is like, <laughs> oh God. Oh, uh, wow. And, and <sighs> whoa. <This tea> has <laughs> to Gotta make sure my, my throat sanitizer. <sighs> Why are you doing this, bro? No Mike Sanko. What do you what do you gain from this? <laughs> this is disgusting. It's important. This I have is, to let them know that my choice is. If I knew this is where things were going, then um <laughs> you know, but we're gonna move on. So yeah, the artist, you know, this is me plugging my song of the week last week. The artist I put on, I think was it was black was it black bones? It was black bones. So yeah, MI and Black Bones were Black Bones, yep. On live together, which you know everybody's doing now because there's just not there's just so much little to do. You know, there's no outside, so everyone's inside on live. So I guess yeah, everyone's on live. So <laughs> there's, there's no a outside passcode on outside. So until <laughs> they release the passcode, <laughs> we're all inside. So um, Mi and Blackbones were online chatting it up. Blackbones being an artist for Mi, if you guys don't know, and if you don't know who Mi is. Dope ass rapper from Nigeria, top five in the continent, I think, at any point. Mm. Um, so chopping it up, and then MI tells a story, which obviously, you know, people are doing, just reminiscing and getting people involved in what are their lives. So MI tells a story about how Saws and him were in a club, maybe Saws is like when Saws was still early in the game, and supposedly they were about to leave. Saws says, I can't get up, and he like, you know, arrived in his apparel. You like that? <laughs> you know, so wow. whatever. Um, Sauce jumps right back on the story and says that didn't happen. Certain things happened, but you know, like it was a fun night, it was a crazy night, but that's not what how it happened. But even but, if it did happen, like, let me just be devil's advocate. Let's even say it did happen. Put it so, out there. Is that something that you would even now go and tell, like, share with the world? Yeah, like, if I'm your homie, if I'm your mans, and you go on somebody, if, like, if I went on somebody's radio show and and shared a, a, a story about something that, something embarrassing that I witnessed happen to you, without you saying, yo, tune, this story is not even, like, not important. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care you tell like it, it was embarrassing at the time but i don't care that's different right if this was a true thing which sars has denied it is true but even if it, if it was if sars felt uncomfortable clearly with that experience it's not something that as your friend that i would go and now jump to another publication and start to share a, a embarrassing moment like that yeah you know i mean that's something that as my friend you're supposed to keep shit like that to yourself till till we both not I, here no more it, it, <laughs> it's, not, like, it's just one of those things i Back to my, back to my no, team. Like, I, I don't know how many, what what the purpose of it all was. So, anyway, supposedly Saws, <laughs> Saws reached this, out this to MI. This tea is delicious. told them yeah. to, you know, let the people know it's a joke. And MI was, this is all from Saws' side of the story because MI didn't really dive too deep into it. Um that he told, reach out to MI, you know, let it, you know, dead it, tell them that you're joking. MI didn't listen. MI was just like, I guess MI was on that whole, they know it's a joke thing. Ugh. Right. Exactly. But they don't know it's a joke, and, and Africans run with shit if they don't have any reason not to. 
he was being deliberately obtuse. And, and you know what it is? Like, there are some people that they get no, they enjoy, joke. They, they don't care the who's affected with their joke. They don't care you know, to correct like, the narrative. And that's the nothing. thing with comedians. Like, a lot of comedians enjoy the laugh yeah, and don't so. really think about the impact it's going to have. But, um, yeah, it's not that deep, bro. They don't care. Like, they're going to talk about something else tomorrow. But regardless, you respect people's brand. You respect their person. You know, just respect the person. If they... if. First off, even if it's like mm. you said, even if it's, it's the truth, if someone's like, "Yo, could you, you know, fall back on that because it's bad," would you should? So now it's another thing if it's a yeah, lie. Now yeah, 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 you look stupid, right? For and then you paint it as a joke. Now you're a liar. You know, whatever, whatever. So it was just it was just a mess for Mi and Mi is an OG. Mi is, uh, <sighs> Mi is a great guy. Mi, is, yeah, yeah, it's just. Absolutely, it's it doesn't take away. It doesn't take away from his accomplishments. You die a hero, or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. So it's it just feels like that because another thing happened where he was dragged on Twitter by this um this girl on there. So it's just been a rough week for Mi on um social media, I'd say. So, but Sars called him out on it, and then he tweeted an apology. But by then, it's just you look crazy now. So. It was it was a weird weird week. yeah weird week for uh Ninja Twitter big, Ninja Twitter. Big yeah. yikes! I have a clip for of the of his story if you want to hear it. Uh, come on, brother. For you, oh, sir, you do. anything I got you. Do you do you want to play it? Oh, play this Let's to me, get, my friend. Thank you. It's about forty some seconds long. Ever hung, has ever hung out with anyone in his life, ever. It was just like a tiny little guy. I took him out one day. We went to rehab. The club used to be called Rehab on uh, the Zenith Bank Road, and like I, I was like, I mean, we were like buying bottles. He was just so happy, man. There were girls around him for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I was like, dog, like, be calm. Like, your size, like, your size on the beach. You made all these hits and stuff. He was like, man, he was shaking. And then, like, right before we left, I was like, Sars, let's go. He was like, sitting down. I was like, what's what the fuck is up? You know what I mean, apparently, like, he had ejaculated while sitting there. <laughs> 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 like, the thing. Sars has, has ever happened. Yikes. That's yeah, I think that, yeah, that was foul, man. Like, um, you share. That's foul. Especially if you're an OG, like again, sharing a story like that in like a private setting, different. Yeah, you don't share a story like that when you're live with complete the strangers. Like that that is only don't shared even when care for context or the truth or any of that shit. Yeah, like they have to be involved. Yeah, in or it. or the person and is they... comfortable with you sharing the story, like that. Yeah, yeah. Just if they're actually friends in real life, I can't imagine that. Because you know what's about to go down, anything. where it's going to end up. Because you have people. Yeah. And then um, Saws jumped on. And explain his part. And here's that. Let's go out. Yeah, I told him to take me somewhere. I was like, cool. 
And bro, we went out and there was nobody out. No drinks, nothing. Like, it was like dead. Nobody, uh, like, that's it. There was no beef, there was nothing. So he kept saying like, yo, this is the best night of your life, so you know how am I <laughs> So, so every day, you know, I think everybody always talk about that. Like, but but that, you know, I saw your tweet saying you want Yeah, so that was that. So basically, nothing close to what am I said. Yeah, this is a bad joke. Yeah, and he had he had early opportunities to you know recant the statement, and he chose not to, and now he just looks crazy. So, you know, mm. silly games, silly prices. Well, we well I'm glad that they, they did. Uh, obviously saw, saw that out. Um, for for public perception, anyway, they've hashed it out for public. It's been it's been it's been diffused. Is is basically the gist? Because un- until Sar says otherwise. It looks like he's not tripping over it. Um, doesn't abs- it doesn't absolve Mi from what he said, but Sars has decided well, Sars, to kind of Sars, take the high road and be Sars like, "Fuck it." Sars called him stupid or foolish or something. But what hey, he said wasn't true. One part one part about uh, my Benny brother. You know, Sars is a dope as well. So. No, no, I know. we keep up with each other, my brother. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. he is. The Sars is from the old Sars. Come on, brother. <laughs> Come on, put our O in front of size on you. You figure out the rest. Mm. Um, I, I'm ready. So what else is on our list? Do you want to talk about Insecure? Yes, I did. Um, unfortunately, I mm. missed when it did dropped. Did you watch episode I was two? Keeping up with um, the last dance, which was really, really, really awesome. Um, mm. but yes, wanna, I uh, loved uh, the last dance. We should actually so, kick off. Um, for uh, those who haven't seen first. it, Last Dance is a doc, a documentary on Michael Jordan. Um, recorded uh, while he was playing, he gave full access to a group of guys, and he's kept the film for a long time. And you know, I think recently agreed to, you know, have it out, have people see Michael behind the scenes, Michael behind, you know, outside of the courts, and hear his side of the story, hear his teammates' side of the story, press. So it, it has one-on-one interviews with a bunch of, you know, players in his life. So that's awesome. Um, and also, I, I think it was supposed to jo- drop in June. But obviously, ESPN has none in the show. Sports in general, you mm. know, that's that's not happening anywhere. So they pushed it up, and it's um, a 10-part documentary. Mm. And I think they're dropping it in twos. So it's going to be five different, five weeks. Five Sundays. Um, the first two were really cool. It focused on the or- the origin story, I'd say, and then a little bit on Scotty Pippen. So it was um it was a fun night, you know, just watching it. Mm. As I think there's nothing else out there, so everybody everybody's watching it. It's gonna do numbers, and I'm sure everyone's gonna say, "Oh, yeah. it's Michael," but I think there's nothing else out there. So we're all gonna watch it. We're all gonna discuss it. Even and obviously everyone knows you're not a big sports fan, but you know. You, yeah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest sports fan, at least not currently. But when I was a kid, I mean, anyone that grew up with me knows that I was a huge. I played basketball. I played soccer. Um, 
I was never like I never thought I was going to be pro or anything, but I definitely played like sports in you know junior high, high school. I played you know the the U four U thirteen U nineteen all that shit. I did all those things. So um, to to see some of my favorite basketball players as a kid, uh, like Scottie Pippen, like um, Michael Jordan, you know, and seeing like the Phil Jackson when he was coaching before the Lakers, like. I was too young to even understand those dy- like team dynamics and, and team management, any of that s- stuff growing up. So to really kind of see what was happening outside from just players putting out cool sneakers and me being, you know, five, five, six, seven, eight years old and going, I want those cool sneakers and not knowing the stories behind them or the players behind them. Like I had no idea Scottie Pippen was devalued the way he was in his own, on his own team. Like the fact that Scottie Pippen was Michael Jordan's number two, and there was a $30 million gap between them yep. while they played for the Bulls is fucking nuts. Michael Jordan was making 33 point something million dollars at the same and time. That's outside Scottie of the Pippen sponsorship. Point something million. Because I, I, obviously there was a nice outside deal. Outside of the and, um, bro. I'm guessing that is incredible. Maybe? Yeah. And uh, whatever local yeah. Chicago deals had existed. And your boy Scotty was doing... um. Sub uh, sandwiches commercial, this yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I was saying, I was like, look, when any, whenever people mention Michael Jordan, they need to remember the fact that Jordan, even Jordan, will tell you that he couldn't have been Jordan without Scottie Pippen. Like he he learned so much and was able to kind of hone his um his talents. The yeah. more he Scotty's a bad man. Was around Scotty Pippen. Scotty's a bad man. Obviously, his stock, even though they they yeah, yeah his stock, I mean, his he's been dealt a bad hand recently. most of his career, bro. I mean, even off the court, dog. We got married to essentially a, a Kardashian. Um, she's what Lebanese, Armenian, whatever she is. She's <laughs> uh, she's something like that. But basically, she's <laughs> say it. Say it. You know, she's of that cast. Bring, so, bring, you know, bring the news the, from the, the past. The ambiguous, the exotic white woman that wants to be. Say it. Say, say the ambiguous, exotic white, white slash Middle Eastern. Okay. Oh, she's for the streets. She's definitely for the and streets. I mean, there's a, there's a rapper I said, bring that the news everyone's from the past. pretty aware of um, that. There's, they're saying. Got it. So they're saying that Scotty's wife, Larsa Pippen, who's of Yo, Lebanese, I hope somebody Syrian, from one of those countries beat your ass. Whatever descent. Because um, <laughs> I'm sure they're very proud of each of their countries. They can't, but like, it's fine. Um, you've, made, you've made them a tri-state. They are. I mean, they're proud of being... I mean, all, all the women all the women from that part of the world that have successfully been able to convert themselves into wannabe black women, um, they love standing up for themselves and how stupid men across the industry have kind of fallen for that look. Um, so I, I get it. And, and I, re- I respect those that go for that look, but anytime I kind of come across those types of women that want to be black women, but I mean, they kind of, they like, you, you may have been able to copy enough, but you're still missing that soul. Um, women like that are always going to struggle when they meet, I don't, you know, people like you know. and I, so it is what it is. But anyways, what they're saying is, all I'm, all I'm saying is that uh, they've said that she and Future had a uh, affair, which led to their divorce. Uh, I feel um, like it was 
This was his last year or the year before? This this year has felt like a couple days, so I'm really – time is not my strength. I'm not even on front with you. (laughs) Yes, that I can tell you. It was before the pandemic, (laughs) You know, I don't remember being inside when it happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we were definitely outside. Um, So, yeah, I feel like Scotty's been dealt a bad hand, man, and, you know – I'm glad that this documentary is out. I highly suggest anyone that hasn't watched it. It's, Sunday. Was it every Sunday? Is it every Sunday or Monday? Every Sunday on ESPN2. Uh, definitely, <laughs> you know, pay your cable bill and, and watch it. Uh, very, very, very good um, watch. So that that's that. Um, oh, no, that's what, what else? That's oh, we didn't even talk about Charles Oakley yeah. being wild, but that's that's fine. We're not gonna. T- we're not gonna talk about it. It's fine. Charles Oakley's a wild man. Uh, seen it with my own eyes. Definitely don't recommend. Never get into a fight with Charles Oakley. He yeah. is. Yeah. Don't even. Don't he breathe too food. hard in his direction. He's one of those old heads that like he's been wild. He's same, been wild. If you whatever you wouldn't say to Mike Tyson, just don't do it around uh, Charles Oakley. <laughs> say they're cut from literally. They have the same tailor, the same cloth, the same accents, all of it, the same fabric. Uh, we're moving on. Insecure, season three, episode two. Uh, so basically, for those who haven't watched it yet, if you haven't watched it by now, I don't feel sorry for you because we've given you some days, right? So basically, in this episode, Issa and Condola decide to confront um, the elephant in the room uh, head on. Uh, Lawrence is uncomfortable. And uh, in, ser- in search of a real connection, Molly is struggling to get Andrew to open up during a date night. That is the synopsis of the episode. Now, Bao, kicking it over to you. Um, what were your thoughts Martin about Martin Lawrence, right? Are you, are you still Team Lawrence? Like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes. This was where they dropped the Easter egg that Lawrence's first name is not actually Lawrence. It's Martin. To be honest with you Martin today, Lawrence. I'm worried for Insecure as a show. I feel like Insecure is a great, great, mm. great show. Obviously, we love the show. It's one of the few shows that we watch as a family. Um, because ever since I think whenever an episode drops while we're recording, we you know we bring it up, and we're you and I are you know we have our cards. We're heavy members of the Lone Hive. You brought donuts to the meeting once, you know. I I've bought coffee, I've bought coffee many times. Oh, absolutely. So we're big Lone Hive represent members. But I think Martin Lawrence and just this episode lets me know like they've stumbled onto something great. And they're having fun with it, you know, not having fun with on making this shit legendary, but just having yes. fun with like, Correct. yo, we can't miss. Um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're definitely they're, they've hit their sweet spot. It's kind of like Chappelle's show when Chappelle's show when it was clear that Chappelle's show was now a staple of the black community. They just started having fun with it. It became less about trying to prove the 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 narrative. Or the the characters or whatever, yeah, and it's more so, about and you know what. Let's it's just a, it's a knock tight, this shit out. That's you a tight I mean? line. Like I I think it could either work well or not. Obviously, this episode not a lot progresses. Um, uh, Molly and her boo, you mm. know, there's I guess we'll call it a bit breakthrough, but we really don't know. You know, she, nothing has really changed. They have sex. They she still doesn't know who he is. You know, that's the mm. episode. Um, Issa and her, um, what's it called, boo? Um, TSA. I, 
whose ass we've seen every episode now. Oh, TSA Bay. Yeah. Um, they had sex, and he's nice to her. Same situation, you know. Um, obviously, Issa and Condola are still mm. in a healthy space. Awesome. Um, the only thing now we know is that Lawrence and the guys, obviously, which is something you can see coming from a mile away, is that Lawrence is uncomfortable with Issa and Condola's relationship. So I think this episode would fall under a filler to me. Um, I don't know. That's why I'm like, it's it's it wasn't one of those episodes. And I'm like, I hope they don't try to have too much fun with it. You know, obviously keep things loose, but we have to push. We have to push forward and get everything out the way. It's 30 minute episode. And um, I don't know. This one did. This episode wasn't like mm. wasn't too much. Didn't happen. Alan, I, I, I know. I know what's it called. Um, Molly in real life, you know, prides herself in saving herself for marriage. Or we've heard that conversation. So I was like, damn, her doing that sex scene and for like 0.3 seconds was crazy. But I'm still Team Lawrence. Um, I appreciate Lawrence stepping up to the ex and being like, yo, please just talk about what you want to talk about. Leave me out the, leave me out the conversation. And I appreciate Issa respecting that. Yeah, mm. but yeah. I mean, I, I, everything you said, spot on. My only, the only difference in your opinion to mine is that I feel personally that there was no need for Lawrence to have pulled up on Issa in person. Uh, I also, yeah, I think that they could have had that conversation over text. I think they could have had that conversation over a phone call. I don't think it was necessary for, Um, for them to, uh, to link do up in think, person. Do you think uh, that just gonna, the message would have been conveyed the same without the like, feeling the energy? I think it could have. I think um, there's a few things. So in the episode, Lawrence asks Issa to to withhold information from Condola. That is 100% going to come back to bite him in the booty later. Uh, and I say booty because if you watch the episode, there was a the period in the episode that the, the, the word booty is mentioned uh, and made every male yes. uncomfortable. Do you remember that part of the episode? Boom. Anyways, so Lawrence is setting himself up for an L just off that. Um, then my other thoughts are, you know, my Virgo brain kept going off because Condola, I noticed some things with Condola this episode that I don't think, I think people missed because there was so much happening. But remember the part where Condola didn't show up yes. to the concert, even though she told you she was on her way? Yes. And, and Lawrence was home alone we'll watching Final Same thing happened. Same Where thing happened Condola? in season two. That's how season two ended. Where mm. I thought there was going to be some kind of something being chased with, um, I mean, the Seals character and her husband. But um, we didn't. Yeah. So, but nothing. Yeah. Nothing it turns out that he was in a hotel. From that, so. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Nope. This is just a, a cliffhangers. And then uh, remember the, uh, the earlier in the episode when Condola was talking to Issa, and right. she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Ojai Valley this weekend. And it's it's not addressed whether she's going with Lawrence or not, but all of us, including Issa, just assumed that Condola meant that she was going to Ojai Valley with Lawrence. But Condola did not confirm that. So if she's going on a romantic trip to Ojai Valley and it's not with Lawrence, who is she well, I... going on a romantic trip to Ojai Valley with? Exactly, and I also, think is that, the, now, is that the reason why she didn't show up to the concert? Lisa having an open line of communication, you know, they're laying the groundwork for certain things. So, because mm. what if Condola knows that Issa and Lawrence are communicating again, and she feels insecure about that? 
I mean, the entire premise of the show is everybody's insecure, right? So that's one. <laughs> second, you're like uh, definitely not. Additionally, second. to everything that I've already mentioned, we've they're definitely not second. It's definitely like eighth. Uh, Condola, she has an yeah. ex-husband, right? She was married and divorced. Are we? Am I right about that? Cool. We know nothing about her divorce. We don't know if she's still talking to her ex-husband. We don't know his position in her life. None of that. So my Virgo brain is telling me that the hunch is Condola either already is seeing someone while she's seeing Lawrence or she will eventually end up cheating on Lawrence with either someone from her past, including her ex-husband, or someone that she kind of feels... um, uh, is I don't know someone that's just not communicating with his or makes yeah, someone I, that doesn't make her I relationship think with Issa as hard members to, um, for long to end up with Issa. Yeah, I, yeah, I think Lawrence and Issa will eventually uh, end up find themselves occupied yeah, with unresolved the, feelings. The, the they're going to end up doing the chooky chooky stuff. You know, hey, he. He got around. He got to get things out of his system and they're back, maybe. Um, oh, so Luke hurt me out. I just got to say, for being I'm not, I, couldn't, I couldn't root. So Luke hurt you out? Why? So I was going to say that. I couldn't, I couldn't root for Team Lawrence this past week because man's definitely fumbled by physically no, driving to Issa's house to have that combo. And I stand by that. That is a conversation that could have been handled 100% over FaceTime. So, do you give it's him unacceptable. credit for, You're by for demon behavior the conversation short when minus she called 10, him? Minus 10 points. Uh, he, right. see, but so he invited that energy yeah. because he showed up to the crib. So she felt comfortable enough. Well, if he's pulling up to my house, then that means that uh, I should be able to reach out to him in a vulnerable moment. And then she learned very quickly that that no, wasn't the case. So now there's I, confusion I in the dynamic. So, and Issa's going to have to deal with that too. Issa's going to have to deal with that too. And how is she going to deal with not, but uh, does she, is she loyal to Condola because they're friends or is she loyal to her ex Lawrence that's trying to move on in his own relationship and, like it's it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, bro. But I still blame Lawrence for opening that door because he could have kept that shit very strict no, on text. I, or my at, thing now, I, at most, as a voice person note. who is Mister, I'm still cool with my ex. I have to stay true. You know, I have to stay true and just not take points off Lawrence for that. You know, um, I'll take points off him watching that damn show, mm. but I'm not taking points off that because it's like. Uh, keep a healthy relationship. If we, you know, you, you get your awkward moments post the breakup. Everyone needs time to heal and, you know, find find their place of peace with their ex. And then you move on. If you guys were friends previously and you, you can still find a way to, like, be healthy and not, you know, be in each other's faces. So, no, it is. It is. It is. Obviously, they were in a relationship man. for five a lot years. Of people, a lot of people so can't do that. Friends before the five years. So... We'll see. Mm. We'll see. I I think um Lawrence Hive is still strong. But, yes, um, so the the and the needed male <laughs> the needed male perspective came back in this episode with with our two gentlemen. Um my favorite character in the show is back, obviously. Um I can't remember his name. I think his name is Chad, right? Which 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 one? Yeah. Oh, Chad is back when he when he was telling Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, what would you expect me to say? I couldn't. 
I couldn't da, 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 da. so like you could drop the ball and then she would come crying to me and Chad then I would have to smash he kills and then the hell out of everybody. Chad is a funny dude, man. No, no, he's easily easily my favorite. Chad character. might be my favorite, character, my favorite character in the show character just because he's ridiculous. Because he not he was knocking them the, the the script out the park. Chad, yeah, he's he's an amazing actor. Because right. uh, right. everybody like, needs to exactly the center is because that man she can is be. way to the left. So yeah, that's where we are with um Lawrence Hodge. Um and um, I guess it's time for our our favorite part of the week. We didn't that... even talk about what's it called. Was <laughs> that? Look, okay. so, y'all need to get it together because so one of your give the intro. Please give the intro. Uh, so basically, President Barack Obama's older brother is putting out a book, and uh, Barack uh, he he's comparing himself to. Uh, Would you compare them both? Because now, because now, look, right? I mean, so maybe in Kenya has Malik. Malik is the first son. And if you're an African man mm-hmm. or you've been in an African family, you know the dynamic. The mm-hmm. first son calls the shots, right? So now, Mr. Obama comes to America Correct. and has a son. And said son, who is half black, half mm-hmm. white, or half of, you know, whatever. Yeah, half African, half white, whatever you want to you do with that. He's and African. then yep. was raised by, a, you know, a different man becomes the president of the United States. The, the, there's a power shift, you know? So if we compare that to Black Panther and Correct. Killmonger, Correct. it's quite similar. I mean, it happens in families too, where it's like, you may be right. the oldest born, but you're, you're, you've lived a pretty useless life. And, right. uh, and your he, second and sibling or third sibling ends up becoming a successful doctor, but a lawyer, just, just successful So period. now obviously in Black Panther... Correct. Killmonger is the son of, you know, uh, I guess one of the one of the one of the fa- the high family members, and he has a kid outside of the country, or even mm. outside of the continent as a whole, and the kid wants to be a part of it, or is just has an angst for the family. I wouldn't necessarily say Barack has angst with you know the Obama family, but it's just so crazy how. That, di- that dynamic works where you yeah. have people born outside the continent who are still directly connected to the family, but you know, there's just this weird dynamic with somebody being successful, somebody being strong or self-dependent being viewed as a threat to what is you know, what's going on, and Malik obviously is unable to control his feelings, because he was pro-Trump and anti-Obama and going in when when things were, I remember it was it was crazy at one point with Malik and Barack, where he was just trying to embarrass Barack in every which way he could. So, I, I think I think it's interesting. <laughs> Word. Uh, well, prayers up for all the Kenyans out there with uh, similar family dynamics. I hope that this uh, this uh, sibling sibling uh, rivalry they have going yes. on is resolved. I, I but I'm sure that book's going to be interesting when it does still come out. to support the book, and nobody um, answered me. I'm not going to say any names, but nobody <laughs> nobody, nobody answered me. I I, I just want to know why. That is hilarious. Mm. Anyways, before we kick into our legendary <laughs> topic, 
uh, uh, a second break. Let's definitely take um, one more <laughs> break because when we return, we have a lot, a lot going on. So let's take another another small break. Sendwave allows you to carry a convenient, instant, fee-free, and secure money transfers from the U.S. to Nigeria. We've partnered with them to bring our listeners the convenience of sending money to Nigeria from the comfort of your own home. That's right. To take part, simply download the Sendwave app on iOS or Android and then apply promo code WAHALA. Again, that's promo code WAHALA to get free money and access the exchange rates the No WAHALA team has been enjoying for some time. Now back to the show. We are back. Um, shout out to everyone that has been rocking with us this episode. Uh, there is a lot happening. Yes, please. Uh, are we jumping into the topic now? Cool. So, for anyone that has uh, not been under a rock in the past few weeks, the versus battles on Instagram have been quite intriguing. I think everyone and their mother has heard that... Um, uh, especially the Teddy Riley versus Babyface battle, which finally went down uh, earlier this week. Yeah. So basically, uh, this battle was set up a few weeks ago, initially with Teddy Riley supposed supposing Teddy Riley was supposed to battle L.A. Reid. There was some difficulties in setting that up. It didn't happen as planned. They rescheduled it. This time, without L.A. Reid, they set it up so Babyface was contending against Teddy Riley. Boom. They set the battle up, and um, as they tried to initiate the battle, uh, Teddy Riley popped up on the screen with a, a band, he had uh, and, a full-scale production dancer. happening on his side, two mics, backup dancers, uh, for, like, all types of wild stuff happened on Teddy Riley's side. Meanwhile, Babyface just pulled up with small earpiece for his iPhone. Uh, he was just in the studio, ready to record off of his iPhone. No extra stuff, nothing, right? And the battle didn't even happen because we couldn't hear anything as as viewers viewers on Instagram live because (laughs) Teddy Riley, yeah, Teddy Riley was just doing as, yeah. Too much, too much. Teddy Teddy Riley was just doing a little too much. So, (laughs) long story short. Can I say one thing, um, though? They ended up canceling the Bapsu Shah and uh, an MJ album. What's up? You're allowed to be extra. Right. But if you're gonna be extra, facts. Just, just you know, run through, run through some IG tests. Make sure you have your shit in order. Yeah, you know yeah. They should have definitely had like Teddy some seven six three nine back. five two one going live and have homeboy that was dancing in the background go live with him and then <laughs> just test the sound just once. Yeah, they didn't do that. I, I definitely uh, and I made that suggestion to a few people that have been trying to do this. Uh, these these IG yeah, and, um, and make a fake baby face account instead of the A. Hey, you put off, the number four online. in there. You know, very simple. Yeah, yeah. 
all of these things should have been all of these things should have been con- considered shot. But regardless, the first bat the, the sec the now second battle didn't work. They canceled it, and um, when they did that, everybody on Black Twitter was basically just roasting uh, Teddy Riley uh, because he was just being a typical uncle. You know, like we already knew that Babyface and Teddy Riley are from you know a prior generation. Um, there's definitely the perception that people that are older don't really understand technology, but that's, that's not necessarily true because, you know, Babyface and Teddy Riley are probably some of the most technical producers and songwriters that, that our generation would even like, aside from Quincy Jones, that our generation um, have been exposed to that are from that generation. Um, But the disconnect is that, because they come from a world and a generation where you had to know everything in and out and you had to be super technical to really master your craft. You had to know all the instruments and where things plug in and where things plug out, all that stuff. I think they just come from a different world where um, they kind of have to be technical like that. Now, Babyface, maybe it's because he's surrounded by different types of people or just because he's the type, the type of person he is. Um, he understands that sometimes you know, minimalism is necessary and that less is more. And Teddy Riley has never been that way. From what I understand, Teddy Riley was perceived um, in his generation the way we consider uh, Kanye to kind of be, how Kanye is kind of like doing right. the most and it's kind of eccentric and it's expected of him to just have that's just his personality. So what I've, what I've been able to understand, and unfortunately for him, a lot of our generation um, is being introduced to Teddy Riley, the person for the first time outside of the work that he's done with various artists throughout um, the past decades and we're getting to know him as this extra dude who can't follow directions and is having super big production uh, things set up when he's been instructed by the organizers organizers of the battle to just pull up with his phone and that's it um, did you see how Lovey addressed yes. that battle after, after it was cancelled Lovey went in on uh, Teddy Riley so here's a clip of here's a short clip of uh, what Lovey said um, to kind of address what went down between the, between the two uncles. I just finished laughing my whole ass off at the jokes about Teddy Riley because let me tell you something. There is a lesson here, okay? In the uncle production, okay? First of all, the uncles decided to get on live and do this battle and we were excited. Our hearts were just jumping out of our chest. And then they got on. First of all, 30 minute sound check. Uncle for what? Why didn't you sound check before this? What happened? Teddy. That's when I knew. I was like, Teddy's not prepared. So then they finally get Uncle Babyface on. First of all, Uncle Babyface, he's so he's so chill and humble. He's such just a humble somebody. He was just like, How you doing? You know, called him young man because seniority. And Teddy bringing his rubbish left and right. All Teddy Riley had to do today was show up with a phone, maybe a speaker. Okay, and what else? His work. That's it. Bet. Nigerians like to call certain people alasheju, which means doer of too much. Simplicity is key. All this man needed was a phone. He had a full band, eight mics, a random hype man, four backup dancers, 15 people in the room, and none of y'all could figure the sound out. No one person could figure out the sound. When this man went to do R&B Coachella for the gram, see what happened. See your life. There's many lessons for us to learn here today. One, you should probably be a little bit more humble, Teddy Riley. Not because you haven't done anything magical. You're a legend. Yes. 
But the way he just showed up, just showboating, and then Babyface just slid in and was like, how you doing? I'm here. You know, um, haven't done perfect music for four decades. I'm just going to come in social distance, okay, because I just got over the Rona. Meanwhile, Teddy and his ragtag crew of ragamuffins, Joss, talking to each other's ears, ain't no mask in sight. Where's the social distancing? That's the first part. We should have told. We should have known Teddy wasn't on nothing good tonight because he wasn't even social distancing. The most basic thing. This man was only supposed to show up with he himself in front of a phone and music. And instead, we get that shenanigans. The good thing is, the jokes that have come out of it, comedy gold. Gold. If doing too much was a person, that's Teddy Riley. All I know is, you know, we were gifted. This, this was a gift. We thought we were going to, you know, get joy and come together through music. No, no. We've come together through the roast. The roast of this man. There's le many lessons here. One, don't do too much with the least. He just did the most with the least. Had nothing to show for it. Babyface was like, I'm tired of this. I'm going to bed. I could tell he wouldn't come back. Come back. In fact, I'm embarrassed by proxy. Me, I'm embarrassed by proxy. It's like, I'm embarrassed on behalf of Teddy Riley. I want to send like baby face, like a gift basket with vitamins in it, you know, so he can continue his recovery from the Rona. Because his good and legendary time was wasted today. It was wasted. Just by this enemy of progress. Teddy, why? It was unnecessary. Just, y'all could have gotten a millennial, one millennial, your kid, one of your kids could have just helped. Helped, that's it. Bless it. I'm going to go read some more jokes on Twitter because y'all are cracking me up. Yeah, uh, love you to hold uh, anything back as you could as you could hear. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty much it, man. It's just like it could have been, it could have went down completely differently, but that's how it went down. And um, we weren't sure whether Babyface was going to come back um, for round three. Uh, but thankfully, the organizers were able to hash things out behind the scenes, and before we knew it, they rescheduled the battle to earlier this week. Uh, so we were all expecting things to be, you know carried out responsibly and successfully right boom uh thankfully for all of us teddy riley pops up on screen without any mics this time all he brought was the jams and, and they that's did all numbers needed, by the way. right so third time's a charm um they did they I, i'm here i've heard everything from uh six hundred thousand viewers to two point something million did, did to four point seven million at one point or or total viewers Oh, yeah. Prior to them, I Isn't think Tori's Quarantine Radio held the record for the most viewers on Instagram uh, live at once. So they definitely broke uh, that um, by going head-to-head -head on Monday. Um, um, uh, how did you feel hearing all those hits going TV back and forth? Because Teddy, right? um, Teddy has some Biggie face yeah. theme type music. You know? So... But... Mm. But Babyface has some. Babyface has some. Uh, no, yeah, some definitely. Jack so I think at first it's not, Teddy was it's trying not to a lot, but... meet him at his strength, but then he realized he should just stick to his New Jack swing and stick to his Mike Jack, which obviously are not you know throwaways. These are huge songs. These are like genre defining songs. So. um I think it was a weird mix. I wouldn't lie to you. Like, you know, you go from when can I leave? You know, and then you hear 
family. And then you hear some new jack shit and you it's like, okay, it's it's so random. It's like it's like slow down for a second and enjoy babyface and then get right back up. Cause Teddy would be like, I wanna take him to the clubs, I wanna take him to the clubs, and Babyface was on some chill shit. So um I love that we got to see their personalities and you making the 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 Kanye reference is absolutely awesome. I think years from now, not right now, because Kanye is like in yeah. yay mode, you know. Years from now, if Ye was to do something, it, he'd still be in his pace yeah. and, you know, marching to the beat of his drums and doing doing things a certain way. And we see that. Yeah, I would be shocked. Yeah. Kanye's Kanye never going to change. He's you could imagine if Kanye was invited to a versus, super we would see some wild lights and crazy shit. And, you know, fuck, he would be like, F coronavirus, yeah. let's make it happen. Yeah, you know what I mean. I would love to see that. Oh, unfortunately, who would you who would you compare to Kanye West for um, a battle like that though? That's the thing. Yeah, like because Kanye's ghost proofs for a shit ton of people. I, I, they would have to. They would have to plot stuff Jermaine from before be the, uh, Jay-Z's I feel like album. Everybody's trying to, to elevate Diddy into Dre to be Diddy and Dre. So then, who would go against Jermaine Dupree? Mm. I mean, uh, arguably, yeah, because, you say, um, arguably you could say Kanye against Jermaine Dupri. Because, I mean, they, as, as far as, like, impact, right? We're talking about cultural impact. The way that Kanye was able to take the Chicago sound and bring it around the world. Literally, he made us no, think yeah, that because he was just doing was like before Kanye was rapping on a, beats. A decade, maybe more. He was in, like he could have retired. Yeah. And, Kanye, and all Kanye was doing was he was taking all his influences. New York, Detroit, you know, J. Dilla, uh, Q-Tip, uh, No ID, um, Trackmaster, every every producer yeah. that came before him, he kind of yeah, took all of the given, um, he's and fused it into so many his own like chipmunk soul, like Mr. Bong Bong. Bong Bong, you should know yeah. who that is if you listen yeah, to so the last Mr. episode. Bong Bong, RZA. Um, yeah, 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 of course, you know, forever. So he's giving credit to him. Obviously, he had premiere doing the scratches on um, I think everything I am. Yeah, so he yeah, shows so much yeah. love to his old so heads, he definitely and respects, obviously he respects samples the so heads. much, so you know his ears are out there. And then, remember when he had, um, damn, the French group mm. um, and Stronger? Daft Punk, like, it was just, it was insane, because, uh, you know, they don't Punk. work with too much people like that. They, you know, they're not, they keep to themselves, and they have their fan base, and he brought them to hip-hop. And everyone, yeah, he studied like as much as it's yeah, hard to Kanye's, give Kanye's the man a the credit because he already gave himself the credit. You know, you, you don't. There's no back left to pat for Kanye. He has his hands on his own back, paying himself. So Kanye is hard to give credit to at times because he's already doing it. But I think I'm not sure who else you would put. Like, if we mm. really like want to respect Kanye and we take out his old, uh, like his political views and his family and all that stuff, yay is not to be played with. It's it's just really... And then you have all his shit that he created for mm. himself, you know? Because there's a bunch of shit for Common, there's a bunch of shit for Dwelly, there's a bunch of shit for Talib Kweli, 
Um, he's worked, he's, he's been around. Like I remember when he would do the performances on Chappelle show and you would see who would run with that crowd. And then he's still a guy trying to do fashion, moving with Virgil and that crew. And, you know, like Kanye spread himself thin at some point, but he was very, there was still an excellence to everything he put out, you know, like we will never question Kanye when it comes to production. So mm. I, I, I think. Maybe JD, because everyone's saying Diddy and Dre. I don't know, because Diddy's, Diddy's portfolio is crazy. Diddy's I mean, portfolio is crazy. That would, be, that, would, that would also be an interesting... That would actually be, that would yeah. be interesting. Yeah. I mean, but so is Dre. So. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, why I don't want to You know, that's, that's East Coast, West Coast, all over again. I can see why people is want it? that to happen. Is yeah, is I mean, it, I mean, it's friendly. It's friendly. I think the... the the East Coast, West Coast they, shit is dead. There's like, always somebody that shit's been who dead, is just bro. not like people have died over the East Coast. <laughs> there's West Coast always somebody shit. that isn't dead too. Like Pop Smoke just died in Cali. You know what I mean? Like there's still people that were this out there, you know, saying what's going on. So I don't know. I would love the I would love it. And also just cause do they do they get to chatter and talk shit and everyone just wants once alive and people keep it moving? Because look, Teddy Riley's still catching mean jokes. You know, when that first one didn't go right, Teddy was catching jokes till mm. this one. And now with this still going on, people are still making jokes. So now the East Coast, if I East, you know, there are going to be biases, you know, like people are going to want to make fun of the other camp just off anything. Mm. And I think that's what scares other people from participating in this. Because um, Teddy had called Dr. Dre and he was like, yeah, I don't know if it's for me. Because all these artists are seeing the memes. You know, you can you can go because we're blaming Teddy Riley for one to give us yeah, a show. This is true. That's all he was trying to do was give us a show. And obviously it didn't go right, but that's what we're blaming him for. And then it's like, oh, Babyface, not knocking Babyface because obviously Babyface has been himself and like, let's play some music. I'm going to tell the story. But Teddy's like, yo, these are performances. This thing will get you up. Like, obviously, having all those people in the studio is not free. You know, whether it's paid for by somebody else or they're like just here for the experience, but Teddy was going to give us a show. So I think, um, and but yeah, he caught a bunch of flags. Mm. So I think it scares other artists or producers or songwriters from also being themselves because they don't want to be made fun of because you lend people into your home, you're playing your music, you're being vulnerable, and then you're a meme. Yeah. Wild stuff, man. Uh, what was I your love, favorite, you remember what were your the favorite records from the battle? I just because that video was just. Do you remember? Like, all the Max times? videos are iconic, but that video was just—I don't know—with Eddie Murphy and all the stars in it. I think that's my favorite song from the battle. I think Babyface mm. won, but. I love that song so much. Mm. Let's see. Mine, my favorite from Teddy Riley was a cross between. Nah, it was that. I think it was uh, I Like. I Like is one of my favorite uh, records from from, uh, Teddy Riley ever. Um, cause he did, he, even though he kicked, he kicked it off with another one of my favorites. He kicked off the battle with, uh, the human nature remix of right here, which if anybody is listening to this and can remember how that 
uh, song mm-hmm. starts off with somebody going S S level U V. Oh wow! Do you know that? Do you know? Guess whose voice that is? Pharrell. Yeah, that's when Pharrell started working with Teddy Riley. So that's his voice. So I mean, Pharrell also goes. Pharrell wow. and Chad goes produced uh, Rum Shaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe the horns in that record uh, were Chad. If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Chad was the one that was playing those horns. Um, and that was around the time also that Jay-Z was working with uh, Teddy and, and VA. But that's a story for a whole other day. Um, and Babyface, I think my favorite record from him was uh, Tony Braxton's You're Making Me High. That that's is, such a fire that, record. Babyface was giving us them nice, slow, look a woman in the eye vibes. You know what I mean? Like straight eye contact shit. Yeah, um, right. The, the amount of celebrities that were checking Nelly. in the comments too, like oh, Snoop, Raekwon, Tamar, like, yeah, uh, Uzo Aduba, Brandy. What? He checked. He said something. Oh, I thought she, I thought it would. You know, I wasn't. Your I chat, didn't. I didn't your keep trial, I chat was paying we'll attention about that. Nah. Nah. <laughs> Nah, out of sight, out of mind. Keisha Cole, <laughs> Tyrese, throwing the towel. <laughs> Yo, for everyone that has no idea what we're talking about, when we say throwing the towel. Basically, what, in round two, we mentioned earlier that there were three. There were three rounds of the Teddy Riley uh, battle, right? The second round was an abject failure because of Teddy Riley's technical difficulties as an uncle, but Tyrese kept saying that. Um, he was making funny comments throughout the night, and then he eventually just got sick of the technical difficulties and typed in, throwing the tile, not throwing the towel, like the saying goes, the tile, like a floor tile or a ceiling tile. And uh, that became the uh, the most memorable part of that night for everyone that stood up till 3 a.m. to see a battle that didn't, did or didn't happen. Um, also, did you peep how shady yes. uh, Babyface has been every time? <laughs> in general, even the, mm-hmm. when the, when like, the second battle didn't happen, he was like, you know, I'm over here social distancing. <laughs> it was Teddy making and fun of the fact, yeah, Teddy making fun and of the fact that Teddy wasn't following directions. Um, yeah, Teddy, Teddy and him. He was like, you know, I'm out here social distancing. I don't know what you're doing. But, uh, and then in round three, um, how did it happen? Oh, Face uh, mm-hmm. called foul Rick, when Rick. Teddy Riley played his remix to Janet Jackson's "I Get Lonely." No one, and then no one uh, damn Baby well. Face goes, "Oh, did you write that? Produce it or remix it?" Oh, he knew damn well that he knew the answer. And Teddy goes, "Remix it." I, 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 I can't. Baby I Face can't. Returns with, well, oh, you don't have to worry about me playing remixes. I don't know. We can do remixes. remixes. Uh, I don't. I don't do. Remixes. I don't do remixes. <laughs> I don't do remixes. <laughs> He said, I don't do remixes. Maybe that's why. That's so funny. That was the most subtle. I need to learn how to be the most respectful, you know, classy, disrespectful, shady uncle someday. Because as Nigerian as Nigerians, you know, we have a reputation of being uh Back, backhanded complimenters. We're very good at acknowledging, uh, you know, while trying to compliment people uh, culturally, we always inject some sort of shade 
in the compliment. It's like, wow, your teeth are looking very yeah, shiny today. Yeah, there's always a comment. There's uh, a comment. Happened, which, are you going for a job this time? Like, once your parents give you a compliment or a parent just today. call, she's like, oh, yeah, look, yeah. and you just know. You just know. You're waiting, you're waiting for the pardon shots. Like, you're just like, okay, just get it out the way. Let me go about my day. Expect, and you got to expect the shots. And you think you're ready for it, and they just bring some shit up. And you're like, ah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm leaving now. Man, um, yeah, and then, no, yeah, the numbers were crazy. It was over 500k at one point, and um, like you um, said, it beat um, the previous record. And I, I'd be shocked. I think it's either like Diddy or Dre or Ye or somebody that could that would be able to beat that because once we once social distancing is over and we're off the quarantine, you know, people aren't just all going to be home certain time, like. Like this, so I think that that's gonna like it's gonna be around for a while if 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 um if that unless we get into the pop stars, the pop stars obviously will be able to destroy certain things. Yeah, because the pop stars would you know pull up numbers that that sweeps mm. sweeps this out. Absolutely. Um. Uh, I think no. I think that was it. So, is there anything else that we want to talk about? Okay. So, I am actually um, to watch your big up to Swaygu. Let me um, let me get my song right because I was I was trying to make big sure up to Swaygu to Lady Donnelly. Do you know about that? Because that's one of the acts he um he manages, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I, um, uh, I was gonna do the easy artists. song which she features on, but I thought I'd I'd give her her own space and time. And we're gonna do Take Me Home by which features Benji Flow by Lady Donnelly. Let me unto you well, yeah I'll be 
And you know, the whole squad doing their thing and love saying management take you know, I like we, we talk about this all the time outside of the artist, what it actually takes the whole you know, the entire team to bring something out and keep things going. So shout out to her and shout out to her squad. Word. Uh so the record that I've decided to pick is actually gonna it's funny because we were talking about the battle earlier with Teddy Riley and um and Babyface. Uh I'm gonna pick a song. It's not produced by Teddy or Babyface, but it's it, yeah. it was put out by a very frequent oh, collaborator of both Teddy and Babyface, Tevin Campbell. <laughs> Dido, I'm not playing the stalker song because I respect the fact that a lot of women listen to this podcast. So I'm not going to play Can We Talk, which is a classic stalker song, oh, which he admitted to being a stalker song online over the weekend. Um, do you remember the Goofy movie? I respect See? You know what's about to happen. I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna say the name of the song. I'm just gonna let it drop.
Eye to Eye and Stand Out were the two records. If you've ever watched a Goofy movie, which came out like in the 90s, early in the 90s, mm-hmm. those were the two records that came out that people were like, who the hell is singing this song? They had, um, the, I think the character's name in the movie was what, Powerline? Yes. And th- all the vocals of Powerline were sang by Tevin Campbell, who is the same artist that sang hits like uh, Can We Talk and uh, talk. Yeah, Goodbye um i'm ready uh you know just classic records uh babyface wrote can we talk right um yes he did he said he wrote it about somebody he was stalking got it he, no, babyface, no, he said, babyface, no, babyface song well tevin said the song is about stalking somebody. a girl yeah, stalk the song yeah so babyface essentially wrote and produced that record he, and uh, most of the I'm Ready album, but uh, Quincy Jones was an executive producer on the album. So anyways, they've all worked with very awesome, legendary people to create great records. So I'm really happy that a lot of people that, you know, we grew up with that weren't really exposed to those sort of records were able to experience that talent in one place. So yeah. shout out to everybody involved. Yeah, um, they, uh, the song was written by Babyface and Daryl Simmons. Yeah, that's, uh, I think that's Babyface's brother. Gotcha. Um, he was in the production duo with uh, well, he worked with the production duo of Ellie Reed and Babyface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, um, how do we want to close the episode? I do. I do have a, a story, but I'm not. It's it's just too long. Pause. Yes. So- whoa, 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 whoa. No, because yeah, we have. Um, I know we we're gonna touch some crazy numbers with this episode, so sure. I guess we'll push it for next week and shorten our next podcast episode. Yeah, um, we don't have a story this yeah. week. We'll save it. I think we just have to, you know, keep telling people to social distance. Like we all, obviously, we started heavy with um talking about Nigeria, but you know, we all still have the power to make this process move a lot quicker we spoke a little bit about georgia um looking to get things back to normal by having people back out in the streets and in each other's space so obviously things are not gonna go as we would hope but you know just stay healthy and for those going through it our thoughts um be you know take your vitamins stay healthy stay out of stop drinking and smoking as much obviously because we spoke on that as well with throat sanitizers weakening your immune system so i that's it's just a big thing right now because i know at times people listen to our episodes like a year or two later this is like if this is a time capsule this is huge this is big we all have the ability to make you know flatten the curve as it's being said so please stay indoors give each other some space if you don't have to be out, stay in and check in on every single person. Um, we're going to, I think, Tunde is going to wrap up the episode um, speaking on Uncle John. So, um, but for everybody going through it and everybody healing or everybody um, fighting through coronavirus right now, we definitely have you in our thoughts. We've lost friends. We've lost families. We've lost, you know, associates. So we're, 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 we're aware of what's going on and we just want to tell people to stay in as much as you can. For sure. Yeah, man. And, you know, we just mentioned Uncle John. Um, uh, 
very recently we lost um an elder in the culture uh by by Jonathan Adewumi. Most people that um have met him, most people that live in New York or have, you know, ever um been to any of the African diaspora events, whether it's African Chop House or etc., have uh have met, um, been mentored, been supported by by um Uncle John and you know, he taught a lot of us how to celebrate African culture. Those of us that weren't doing it already, he taught us how to like live to represent the culture before it became a popular thing, before Black Panther, before all these things, right? Um, and, uh, you know, fashion, food, community building, connecting the diaspora to the continent were like normal everyday tasks for someone like him. Um, he owned a restaurant in Brooklyn called Amarachi with his brother, Joe. Uh, and they, you know, that was a place where you can get authentic Nigerian food and traditional soul food. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I posted a video on my on my timeline on Instagram that showed an interview where he was uh, speaking in 1998 about African culture and how um, it wasn't a, it wasn't just like a trend for him. Right. Like when he came with his family from Ondo State in Nigeria, he was explaining how as educated as he was from Nigeria, he was finding all the ignorance that he was meeting when he arrived in America, um, he was equally as ignorant about things because of what he saw in Nigeria on TV. Like he didn't realize that um, he didn't even know that black people were like all over the States because in Nigeria in those days, they didn't project any images of black culture and blackness and all that stuff in the seven, the early seventies, right? There wasn't an equal representation of, black people in in the american media so when his family arrived here he was fascinated to 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 be exposed to black culture and black nationalism and pan-africanism and all these things and he realized that there was he had a responsibility to kind of serve as you know an equal exchanger of culture as a nigerian now living in america and he did that for for the rest of his life man and i think those of us that knew him are grateful to have known him and may his soul rest in peace Yes, well put. Rest in peace. Well put. Like rest in peace to Uncle John. Um, R.P. Uncle John, uh, and my love to everyone. Our love from the podcast to everyone in the Adewumi family. Yes. Um, to, for anyone that wants to, um, to to you know donate to to the family or reach out to the family, uh, you can find them on Instagram, Twitter at um, Dine underscore Amarachi. Uh, Amarachi is spelled A-M-A-R-A-C-H-I. Their website is what? Amarachi? Is it AmarachiBK.com? The link should be on Dine Amarachi. Yeah. Basically, if you go to the Instagram, Dine underscore Amarachi, um, you should be able to see... um, Yeah, you should be able to to reach out, send a message, uh, you know, DM them. Um, man, it's still crazy, man. It's still crazy. I I still can't believe that 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 he's no longer no longer here. It's it's been, and he was a Kappa too. So a lot of our, our friends that are in uh, the Divine Nine organizations knew him. Um, they didn't even necessarily. Uh... No, um, I I feel like you covered it a lot. Obviously, it's something heavy. Um, the guy was very welcoming to Evie and anyone that would step into the store or just try to have a conversation or not. A very big dude. So it's like 
his stature might feel like, oh, this guy is going to like dismiss me. But he was very welcoming. Um, I think if you have a chance, go on Dynamarachi and then look at the photos, which obviously would have people tagging him moving forward. And just read the comments. Like People love them. People appreciate him. And um, we speak about people getting their roses all the time. I think people let him know they, they loved him while he was here. Unfortunately, you know, the coronavirus has taken someone else away from us. But um, he was definitely a pillar in our community. And as 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 Noah Holler, we want to thank him and, like you said, give peace and love to his family. Straight up. Yeah, man. Uh <clears throat> Reset the energy. Thank you all for tuning into this episode. Uh, feel free to share. Um, you know, hit us up, email Musa if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes. Um, if you want to support in any way, feel free to. I mean, at this point, everybody knows how to get in touch with us. We get all sorts of messages and feedback from everyone listening. So, thank you again, everyone who has been supporting. Definitely check out our sponsors. And, uh, yeah, we will see you in episode 58. Yes. Peace, people. Peace, peace, peace. Take them slowly. Baby, you know I go give you no wahala.